right, welcome to Build. This is Maggie. Today, I am so excited to have David Flinner, the co-founder and head of product for Levels here with me today. So David, welcome. Thanks, Maggie. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. So we're going to get into building a product that solves a problem that most users maybe don't know that they have or know much about. But where I want to start is if you could give us a rundown of levels of what metabolic health actually is and kind of why you guys decided to start the company, I think that'll be a good starting point. Yeah, sure. Levels helps people understand how the food they eat affects their health. Uh, And we do so in real time using a continuous loop feedback system powered by a bio wearable, which is the continuous glucose monitor. That is a little patch that you wear on your body, and it's continuously monitoring your body's metabolism, one of the main units of energy in that, which is glucose. And then as you eat, Levels will then show you how your food choices are being processed by your body and how that's affecting the wellness goals that you might have from energy to weight loss, things like that, in a closed fashion. And Levels is primarily a software layer on top of the actual continuous glucose monitoring device. We have a consumer version. So these, these devices have been around for decades and have been used by people to help manage diabetes. And we are the company who's taking that and building the consumer application version on top of it, the insights layer that translates it into everyday general health and wellness. Full disclosure, I've used or participated in the beta and used the product. And I thought that was really interesting. I didn't realize until I got the box that it was the actual CGM that you would get as from the doctor and then this other thing on top of it, which was levels. Yeah, that was actually one of the one of the challenging things that we had to um, just briefly solve for at the very start of the company was getting access to these devices. In the United States, it is a prescription-only product. Elsewhere around the world, these are over-the-counter. The first thing we had to, to had to look for was setting up a, a telehealth medical process where whereby someone could go through, have a consultation with a physician, if appropriate, get access to these devices. But our expertise is not on the hardware side. Uh, it's definitely on the software side. Another thing that was interesting is that Metabolic health is something that I didn't know about until sort of signing up and and getting access. So I thought it was interesting when I first started using it that when I would look at the numbers, I had no idea what good looked like and kind of what to do with the information. And so I'm curious, as someone on the product side, like how did you approach solving a problem that I guess your users maybe didn't even know that they had or like even how to interpret yeah, sure. Maybe just uh, just to start off, because um, I'm not sure if even your audience knows exactly what metabolic health is or like how that's important. So it's essentially metabolism is a set of cellular processes that take the the foods we eat and turn it into energy for us to use. And so it's pr- it's really critical. It's a foundational part of how our bodies function. And if things are are not working as they should at the metabolic level, then it's going to manifest in many different ways that are very near and dear to things that we care about. So whether that's from finding peak productivity during your work, so this might manifest in all of a sudden you're feeling lower energy mid-morning or mid-afternoon and you're not sure why. You've been kind of haunted by feelings of low energy and don't quite know where that's coming from. Or maybe you've been trying to you've been trying to lose weight and counting calories and don't know why some of the pounds aren't dropping off. You know, it's associated with with things like skin health. Pretty much all of the things that we, well, many of the things that we think about every day are are kind of rooted in metabolic processes, and as well as things that are much longer term. So poor metabolic health is associated with longer term risk of of chronic illness, diabetes, things like that down the line. If you can understand how your metabolism is functioning now you can see where it's at and take preventative action to course correct in your life that is going to help you have potentially more energy now, lose weight faster, things like that. So what Levels does is it helps you kind of take a look into where things are at, gives you metabolic awareness, and then helps you associate your, your current feelings and your goals with how your body's responding to the food choices you make. I can give a quick example. My co-founder, Sam, 
he used to eat what he thought was one of the healthiest breakfasts of all time, uh, just steel cut oats. If you were to Google healthy breakfast, you'll see, I think on the first page, oatmeal is one of the top things. And so he was doing the right thing, eating oatmeal. And then around 10 a.m., he would consistently have this feeling of, of tiredness and think, it's time for, for my next coffee. I, just, I haven't had enough yet. And then when he, when he finally got access to a continuous glucose monitor and took a look at the data, what he saw was that the feeling of tiredness was correlated very directly with a giant glucose spike and corresponding crash. You might have heard of the term like a blood sugar crash. Yep. So that's exactly what levels helps you see is that spike in a crash and then associate very tightly uh, because you'll log you had that oatmeal. You can see that it was the oatmeal that drove your blood sugar up and had a corresponding crash. And then we help you gain that awareness of how you feel so that you're more empowered to make decisions in the future on how that, on what you want to do. It's still your choice, but now you know. Yeah. But I think even to get there, like that's sort of like the end state that you're trying to get your users to, but like you have to sign up, you have to go through the doctor flow to get the, the actual glucose monitor, you have to get it, put it on. And like, there's right. all this like workflow that the user has to go through for this thing that they don't even maybe know that that's what they're going to get out of it. I think there's a couple things here. One is, and this sort of goes towards our, the different user types that we're, we're kind of encountering. When we were starting out, we didn't quite know what we would encounter with relevant data from the glucose curve and what would be meaningful towards people. So we were at the same time trying to try this out ourselves, see how it related to our own life, and then look towards the market and see who is, was looking to get access to this as well. And we started out with, there was a subset of, of user out there who did actually know they wanted this. And they were begging for it, but they couldn't get access to it. Got it. So we started out with that crowd. And that's more of a biohacker crowd, people who just want access to their own data. And having the data, they can inform themselves and course correct and know what to do with it. So we started out there. There's a lot I can go into in that and how we kind of incrementally built up for that audience and laid a foundation. Right now, we're, we've been doing this for a bit over a year in our, in our closed beta. And we're extending out and we're seeing a lot more of a mainstream audience who is much more what we're calling the health seeker, people who, who try to be take healthy actions, maybe try to buy organic, but don't really know why it's good, go to the gym when they can. And I think for that audience, we encountered that there was a much greater need for, for education in the metabolic health space. And so I think that is sort of the backdrop. And maybe from where you're coming in with your question on how do you like take people to understand what they're going to get out of this? I think the question, um, maybe it's like a sort of a multi-part question. It's like, what was the first slice of the of the problem that you you peeled off for that early adopter crowd? Because I think that's really interesting that it sounds like you started by saying, okay, there's these people like bleeding edge, they already know they want this thing. So let's get them in and let's learn from them. And then there's also that trap that we all know about, which is, okay, you're building for early adopters, but early adopters aren't the same as those of us who like maybe, and I'm probably like right in the middle. I mm -hmm. use a lot of like health tracking stuff. So I think that space is really interesting, but like, you know, I don't, know all that much about it. So how did you then how did you think about going from like early adopter to person who doesn't know about the space at all? Sure. Yeah. So what we what we saw in the beginning was that there there was a clear market kind of need for these biohacker types that just needed wanted to get access to it. And we didn't quite know what what they wanted, but they wanted access. And so the way we approached this was not trying to solve everything up all at once, but try to find the most pressing presenting problem and solve just that. Try to minimize the amount of time you, you take to spend that and just get it out there and see what they say and bias towards velocity and getting as much customer feedback as we could. Our approach throughout this whole thing has been to focus on customer feedback and to focus on shipping one thing at a time, but very, very quickly, like one time a week. 
solving the next presenting problem. So the very first presenting problem we had was we knew we had this small set of, of people who wanted access to continuous glucose monitors, but they couldn't get them. So the first thing we solved was helping people get access to the continuous glucose monitors through a telehealth consultation system. And so in the very beginning, we had nothing besides a, a regulatory approves upboard telehealth medical practice that could facilitate people who wanted to consult with a physician about getting continuous glucose monitors and just make that, that connection with them. The very next thing was they would get the continuous glucose monitor devices, but they would get nothing else from us. We had no app. They came in a cardboard box. And in order to understand what they wanted next, we just said, text us screenshots about what you're seeing in the app and any questions that you have. And that was how we started getting feedback. I just love that because I think there's this narrative, especially from people, product people who haven't worked in a startup or who've been at bigger companies, that the first, like if you're going to build a startup, it has to be perfect. And like you need to like have this perfect product that you're launching. But I love it. You just, they just texted you. Like that's the scrappiest thing. I would spend countless hours every day texting with hundreds of people about what they were doing with their continuous glucose monitors. So yeah, it was crazy. Uh, I, I came from Google where it was much more, take a long time, write a detailed spec, and then it's different different in every team, but it was a bit more waterfally. And this was totally the other opposite direction where I had no idea what to expect, gather as much feedback as we could. Beyond the, the hours of daily interaction we had with users on text, we would also do a pre-sign-up call where we, we took people off of our wait list. So we, we called them and did market research basically to figure out who, who they were and what they were interested in on that call. And then we had an onboarding call, a midpoint call, and a debrief call to unpack everything that they were doing. So it was very much deeply ingrained with our members and understanding what they were seeing, what, where, where the pain points were, and what they wanted next. And this was, we tried to make no assumptions. So at the very beginning, we didn't have an app. We weren't sure if people wanted an app, although you might assume that's very obvious. We didn't take it for granted. And so pretty shortly soon after that, people started asking, saying, hey, there's a lot of deficiencies in this, in this manufacturer's app. I'd love to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And so that was the, the first feature set that we had informing our, our own app when we decided to build it. And then that was, the, that was the way we approached it was solve that one problem and then figure out the smallest thing that we could do to do that. Because I was often very surprised and I have been continued to be surprised at how I haven't had to overthink certain things that would solve the problem. So I would put something out there to test it, thinking that there's no way this will work. And then all of the questions we got about it would just disappear. And so it's enabled us to very quickly and try to get to the, the meatier things that we want to get to down the line. Yeah, I think sometimes having worked at bigger companies and at startups, the thing that people don't like to admit is that sometimes you just sort of know what the thing is to do. And you're just like, why don't if if you just ship the the idea that you kind of all have in your head, sometimes a lot of the times it just works and you don't have to like overthink it and like over research it. And you can kind of just build what makes sense, um, especially in those early days when you're getting all that feedback. Yeah, I think um, what, we, what we tried to do is not do too much of a comprehensive feature set uh, approach for that, that launch, because then I don't think we would have known exactly what was resonating as much with our, our members. So we tried to do it one thing at a time and see if that, like, that stuck and we could kind of gauge where, they, where the value was, was being tracked there. So you went from this super scrappy texting to now you have an app. How has the app evolved over the past however many months it's been in existence? I had no idea it had only been around for a year. Yeah. So it yeah, looked yeah. like it had been around for a little bit longer than that when I was using it. We had our very first app, I think, in um, January 2020. So all it did was let you log food logs. It had no glucose, no connection to the to the actual bio wearable. All you log food and do nothing else. And so it was very, very basic. We have been 
basically throughout this time, we've been building what we're calling a metabolic awareness program. So we've been trying to iterate towards what we think is the core value that will help people understand understand whether their their dietary choices are good or bad for them based on their goals, where their health is at, and then the steps they can take to improve that. It's more about the awareness and the future of levels is, is about the improvement. And then a big other kind of foundational layer to this is the educational piece, which, which you mentioned before, because no one knows about this. It's been something that we've had to ramp people up on using many different tacks, and it's something that is still not done at this point. In fact, uh, education has been one of the biggest things that we've invested in in the app. Uh, it's been a big value proposition that our members have requested. And we try to weave it in throughout, throughout the getting started experience through a learn module in the app where you can explore at your leisure. The most powerful thing we've had, though, has been context-relevant education. So I think to your, to your point earlier about how do you actually ramp people up on this, one of the most powerful ways we've discovered is through event-driven education. So basically magical moments that when something happens to you that you're not sure about, Levels will attempt to give you education to help you understand what that is in that moment, but not before. And that has been, in our data, the thing that people like the most. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think that there were a couple a couple of moments when I was using it where there were helpful, like, this thing just happened. Like, did, did you do this? Or like, did you do this kind of thing? Which I thought was, was pretty interesting. And another thing on the education front that I thought was interesting is, especially before I started using the product, having been a little bit in the space of, you know, okay, what are the the like health apps out there? Because I am interested in that space. I had this assumption, like continuous glucose monitor, that it would be about sugar, which meant that all it was going to tell me was that I shouldn't eat desserts and like I shouldn't drink alcohol and anything that has lots of sugar would be bad for me. And so I was kind of like, whatever, I don't, I don't need this app to tell me that because I already right. know. And what I thought was interesting is that that was the wrong perspective. And then I learned that some of like eating a bag of M&Ms, for example, for me was fine, but eating like a bowl of grapes wasn't fine. And so even like I had the wrong perspective on this space before I was able to actually see like what it was for me. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think one of the biggest things is that, that we've seen in the science is that everyone responds differently to the foods we eat. So there's no such thing as a one size fits all diet. And the data is showing that people respond differently to the same exact thing. So I, I don't know if you've heard of the study where they have, there's a study from the Wiseman Institute in, in Israel a few years back where they had people eat both a banana and a cookie. And some people would get a blood sugar spike from the banana, but not the cookie. And then other people would get the exact opposite response. They'd have a, a spike for the, for the cookie and not the banana. There are a lot of contributing factors to this. Um, gut microbiome, stress levels, other things about your genetics. And it's, it's something where if you think you know what you're doing, like, like you're, you're talking about, uh, like you mentioned, or just following advice online, mm-hmm. you can't really know for sure until you check. And it's also important to point out that uh, glucose is only one measure of, of proper nutrition. It's not going to tell you everything. So I know M&Ms are still a candy and they're probably best enjoyed in moderation. In terms of a glucose response and effect on metabolism, then yeah, that's uh, what I can tell you there. Yeah. I mean, although we've kind of talked about this offline, but I've, my scores were really good. So I was sitting there being like, I guess this road trip I went on where I ate McDonald's for like 10 days straight because there was nothing else yeah. It's fine. And I'm healthy and like, who cares? Um, which obviously is not the right answer. But at the time I was feeling pretty good about myself. I guess from a product perspective, what I'm curious about is there's so many, like even in this discussion, there's so many different things that I as a user would want to know or want to be aware of and like all the science and all these behavior changes or at least tracking, whatever. How do you think about prioritizing those things and like structuring your team and like structuring how you build stuff. I know you mentioned you want to ship something every week, but like, how are you Mm -hmm. prioritizing that when there's just like infinity things you could be doing? 
from a process standpoint, we've been trying to come up with a, a scalable a scalable process where, um, despite the fact that only I have been the the, the single dedicated person on the product side, mm-hmm. um, we want to make sure that the entire team can can slot in and contribute ideas and and help keep the ball rolling. We've decided to be pretty leveraged from engineering to, to product management. So we're we're keeping the product team very small and trying to hire and bias towards engineers. But we've come up with a system that hopefully facilitates like a more of a strict interface that helps anyone on the team, as long as you're willing to read through how it works, contribute ideas, flesh out product specs, things like that, and contribute to the product process. And I think that has been really helpful, leveraging the, the ideas across the rest of our team to do that. So that uh, from a process standpoint, we've been, we've been focused on doing it that way. I think one of the things, again, having worked at Google, like big company, what are we building is so different than the stage that you're in, which is like so early. There's so many things you need to do. Velocity is so important. But again, especially when the users aren't as familiar, it's not like you're building in a space where there's like 500 million competitors and you kind of know like there's some user expectations around the thing that you're building and you're sort of starting from scratch in a lot of ways that I think is not as common in products. And so just curious, like how you're organizing and then how you're thinking about like what you, what you guys do. Yeah. There's a couple directions we take from this. One is from in terms of uh, figuring out what we want to build. There is an aspect to this where it is coming from us. Like we, we do heavily use the product ourselves. We use continuous glucose monitors. So we kind of have a direction, directional sense of what, of what might resonate with our, with our members, but then really listening to, to the feedback that we're getting and trying to build based on only the things that are causing pain points from our members that we're hearing in real time. We're trying to carve out roughly half of our time towards refining the main path that we see towards that metabolic awareness program. And then another 50% of the time towards exploration. So we're still pre-launch. We're not in growth mode. And I think a lot of the focus right now is around exploring different values. So if you think of like that's like a video game example, but there's like a, an unexplored map of the world out there and a lot of it unexplored and uncharted. And we don't know where the value is yet. And so we're trying to do experiments in different areas as well, like different um, hypotheses around community. We, we've heard feedback around community, but we don't really have a core community product right now. But how could we gain more clarity on that? So 50% of our time is spent on doing like micro experiments or small things that we can uh, ship quickly still that are intended to gauge is there a giant mountain of value over here or is it more of a, just like a little hill and probing? Uh, Cause it'll get a lot harder to do that after we, after we do launch the more and more we experiment and early on, that's all it was, was just experimenting, listening. We got a lot of signal on what the core product was through that. And that is kind of defined what our core product is in that metabolic awareness program. And so we're, there's still a lot to do on that. And the roadmap is pretty clear right now. And so we're kind of executing on that. But the new value is is not certain. And then there's also a lot of exploration, even within the core program area. Education is an ongoing process, helping people understand it more deeply. Right now, we help people see how their body responds to foods at a certain level, but we want to go more deeply. So right now, we could say, hey, something in the meal you ate caused you to have a glucose spike. What we want to get to is say, specifically, it was the dressing on your salad. The kale Mm. was excellent. The other components were fine, but it was the dressing. You should try swapping it out with this, something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that's sort of where I wanted wanted to go next was, so having used it, I thought what was interesting about it was there was sort of like a defined period of time where I was wearing the glucose monitor and getting this information. And then I got kind of a wrap up. And then that was sort of the end of, end of my experience. My experience kind of 
ended. And so I was curious to hear from you, like what, what is the future look like and what's the like ongoing experience or, or was that if you can share or was it really like a one-time thing? No, it's going to be, it's going to be an ongoing thing. So right now, if we're focused on the metabolic awareness program right now, in the future, it'll be more about improving and getting towards metabolic fitness, deeper metabolic awareness and support on the path towards metabolic fitness. And this means um, better understanding your true health and then helping you succeed in attending your health goals. And I think this is going to split out into a few different areas. One of them is going deeper on understanding your true metabolic health. Glucose alone isn't enough to be entirely comprehensive. It is a, glucose. It is the main metabolite for uh, metabolism. But in order to have a, a deeper understanding, we have to go beyond that. So we're going to continually get better, deeper insights down that path. A second one is a huge amount about this and about behavior change related to community and identity. And so we want to have a really deep and broad community layer on levels. And then a third one is goal-based goal-based journeys. So specifically like tailoring your experience with levels towards your, like if you want to lose weight or gain in fitness goals, things like that. So in, in the broad brush strokes of things, that's kind of the, the three different paths that it would be taking. In terms of the ongoing experience, I think it's more about, it is about improving. And a lot of that is about helping people succeed over the long run. And it's less about habit formation and the, the health and wellness sense here. And more about more about being there through the cycles of commitment that people will, will be on. And a lot of these, just in life in general, in, in a health and wellness sense, and I can relate to this, and I think, I think it is common, there will be cycles where you're charging ahead and, and, and going forward with your health goals, and then periods where you fall off the bandwagon, life happens, something comes up that's really important, and you have to put things aside for a while. What we want to do on top of the, the depth and the, the goal-based improvement and the community aspects is kind of weave everything together into a sense where Levels is always positive and encouraging and a place where we'll meet you where you're at. And whether you're using CGM currently and marching forward to hit some goals and we can help you get there, or you're taking a break and not using active monitoring, we want it to be a positive experience. And so we'll be thinking through spaces within that. I love that. And I love the, the sort of principles behind what you're building and where you're headed. I think stepping back even a little bit further, I'm curious, like, now that you've been doing this for a couple of years, like what are the big sort of lessons that you've learned? And like, what's your advice to someone who, you know, I think, again, another common path is, you know, I've been working as in product for a while and I want to go and do my own thing. And I, you know, I want to be able to start something on my own. So like, what are those big lessons that you took away and any advice that you would give to other people who are in the same situation? Yeah, well, it's kind of hard because I feel like this is going to be so different with any different team, even, even myself, uh, all the teams I've been on, I feel like, there hasn't been one size fits all towards any of the ways we've been uh, approaching products. Um, it's more just about like what is going to make the team work together the best in that given unit. But I would say reflecting on my experience in early stage startup, the biggest things for me have been like really making sure that I, I don't lose sight of talking to customers. I think some of this advice probably will be pretty foundational like, across the board. No huge surprises here. But the other thing was prioritizing and picking the problem worth solving at hand and not not thinking too far out in the future because things will change and they and they do change. So we were focusing on just the the main blocking problem, maybe over a two week period or a one month period, and then moving on to the next one. And then finding ways to not bottleneck everyone else on yourself. So coming up with some system that allows people to to see the vision, understand how you want things to be to be run and being able to slot in to participate. Those three things have been really, really helpful offhand. 
Awesome. What's your hope a year from now? What are your hope levels is like? Oh, that's great. So a year from now, Levels is launched. It is helping people understand very intuitively how their how their food choices are are affecting them. People are engaging with each other through the Levels platform. They can see how any given meal relates, like how how it affects them, and they can see how people with similar dietary philosophies how it also affects how that person responds. There is a a people directory where you can go in and you can find. Different health leaders who are, if you're a vegan, you can go in and tap on Dr. Casey Means, who's a whole foods, plant-based vegan, and see what are the things that she's found success in, find things like that. Basically, there's going to be a huge, like a very large community layer that's going to, if you choose to opt in, you can donate your meals or engage with other people on them, compare to each other, um, a public meal database where you can come in and see what, what are more proven glycemically friendly things that you could be, you could be eating. Taking a step back, actually, we'll be moving more, moving away from strictly, you know, strictly the one month program and more towards an ongoing membership model. And we're thinking about this is kind of like live, live thinking here because it's, it's, it's very much in discussion right now. But we, we want to move the company towards a, a membership model where you join levels and you would have a levels annual membership fee, but then we would provide at cost access to continuous glucose monitors, at cost access to like at home blood panels, things, anything that, that we think would be beneficial to you. The reason we're thinking about this is because we want our incentives to be aligned exceptionally well to our members. We don't want to be incentivized purely to get you to buy something because we'll make money off of it. We want to align our incentives where it's all based on trust. If we can be your advocate and say, no, we're not recommending this blood test because we'll make money from it. We're actually recommending it because we think that this is something that will help you truly. That would be a powerful win for our users. And so by switching to that membership model, uh, empowering people to go deep on their health and giving them uh, recommendations through deeper understanding of CGM, additional analytes, additional 360 degree like health measurements, like at-home blood tests, layering on that community layer to help people go deeper and help each other. Levels will be helping people through automation, automated insights, but it's very possible that the best insight and the one that will lead to lasting behavior change won't be one that Levels gives directly to a member, but one that they find through each other or through a friend and family we can facilitate through sharing. I think that's so interesting. And it's also interesting that that's another way to say, okay, you could presumably try to through, like you said, through AI or automation, like automate all of that and try to be the, the person or the tool that's giving all that out. Or there's all these other people and that's another way to solve the same problem rather than having to do it. And I think I love that idea of like the community aspects. I think when I was using it, I had a little bit of skepticism on like, okay, are the other people in this program of the same like type as me? And does that mean like, is my number good or bad? And then you you sort of, I think via email were like, well, it doesn't the number itself doesn't matter as much, but it's like the variability and like it's that kind of thing that I think would be interesting, you know, solving through community versus solving through just building more features. Yeah, there's so much more to go even on helping people understand what their scores mean at the at like the, the immediate level. The way I've been structuring the product is I, I kind of break out the jobs to be done. And we have a, a set of high level problems that we're helping solve for, for members, for people. I've been calling them levers that we can pull to help across all those different jobs. The different levers are automated insights. And that helps us with our, our mission because we want to be very accessible. So we want to get the cost down and get this to as many people as possible. So we can do that through automated insights. The second lever is through community. 
we can have people help each other. Can we design an experience around that where they, they teach each other some of the same things or beyond the same things that we do with the automated insights? And then the third, the third lever is once we have a platform, can we facilitate connections between our members and experts? So whether that's plugging in a professional trainer for athletes, a nutritionist for a, a professional review of your, of your information, or maybe a, a physician export, those are the three levers that I've been thinking of, of uh, implementing. Our users have the same, the same core problems. I think ultimately levels help people succeed in achieving their, their health goals. And we do that by helping them determine, first of all, tracking their health information, then helping them determine if their choices are good or bad, and then seeing where their health is and how far away they are from where they want to go and pointing the path to get there and then helping them keep at it. So that accountability, motivation layer, and then finally, finally building an identity that supports that foundationally. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think it's, it's not often that you get to hear the sort of guiding principles or the thinking behind the product choices people are making. So it's cool to hear these are your principles and this is sort of where you want to go. And then when the people who are using the product can see like different ways that that's showing up, I think it's interesting to hear like what, what that looks like in such an early stage product. Yeah, and we're keeping an open mind. I think that's sort of the wrap of, of what we've heard from feedback so far, but it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting trying to go into the mainstream audience. I think especially in the community side, that'll be a whole set of new challenges around scaling and, and thinking through just different sort of network effects through people. It's going to be a, a very different product problem to solve when we have that than, than the sort of health and wellness kind of awareness use cases. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting. I'm assuming intentionally the closed beta also creates a little bit of FOMO and, you know, people wanting to get access. And so that's definitely, I would assume part of your current like user acquisition model. Yeah. I mean, it definitely does do that. We have the closed beta primarily because we're not in growth mode right now. And by having the closed beta, it helps us. We're only taking on, I think right now we're taking on about a thousand people per month. We are still doing lots of feedback. We're not interviewing everyone three times right now. Yeah, I'm thinking you're thinking like, well, I didn't get interviewed. Like, yeah, yeah, right now it's <laughs> so up until I think we were doing it for up until we had like about 200 people per month, and it was just it was too much for our team, and we decided to run onto a, a like a sampling method. So now we'll we'll do sort of random, and we'll also try to pick a representative selection based on just different member profile characteristics as well as MPS scores. So we're biasing towards. Actually, I think this one's sort of interesting. Like. There's been different thoughts out there on who you should be paying attention to, I think, like mm-hmm. superhuman advocates for uh, don't listen to your detractors as much, like look for your super promoters and build for them. So are you running that product market fit score? We are not doing that one in particular. We actually tried to do it early on with uh, surveys. We had survey adherence problems. So that was that was the hardest thing to, that was a very hard challenge just uh, to solve. We're doubling down on the people who are passionate about helping us build a movement because they they care about this. They want to see the metabolic health crisis solved. Mm-hmm. So I think the extent we're building for promoters, it's it's towards people who really are aligned and have a passion for reversing the metabolic health crisis, which is only ten percent about ten percent of the U.S. population is metabolically healthy. Everyone else is on a, a spectrum of non health. Mm-hmm. We're trying to find people like that, but we're also Right now, because we're kind of biasing beyond the bio, like the biohacker early adopter crowd, which we have, um, we think we've built a fairly good product for them at this point. I think we have around, well, for everyone, our NPS right now is 69, but we're coming up with this new, this new audience who is more, more mainstream and they don't have as much context and we're getting a lot of detractors from that. And so we're interviewing them heavily and we're definitely biasing towards that because we think that this is just an untapped market that has huge 
potential. And this is how we'll actually get get to scale. Like we we have to build a product that that meets the needs of the mainstream audience to have the biggest impact. So we want to interview. We're interviewing them much more carefully because we want to hear where the differences are, what makes them tick at this point. Yeah, I think it's interesting the the different philosophies around do you double down on your super users or do you not and who you build for? And I think I've definitely seen seen different ways. And I think back when I worked at, at TripAdvisor, which is such a like everyone is the user, it was so different getting feedback than, you know, working at a much more targeted or small or specific user group. And the way that you get feedback was way different. So I totally get that. Yeah. All right, David. Well, I I mean, I could talk about this all day because I'm such a nerd about health stuff, but any last sort of parting words of wisdom to pe- product people who are like making the jump from big company to startup? Categorically, it's been fantastic to make the jump. I would encourage people to do it if you have an idea and especially if you have if you have a team that you want to do it with. Mm-hmm. It has been nonstop excitement. It's not some ups and downs, but I think worth it. Yeah, I think especially if you if you have some people that, that you know you want to do this with. I think that has been the biggest thing for me is joining a, a team of people that I just had a great amount of faith in. And together, I think it's been great. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Maggie. 